in this Advent season, uh, getting prepared, getting ready for Jesus' coming, for Christmas and for his return. We've been looking a few weeks ago at who God is and his promises and, and our proper response of, of hope. Last week, we looked at who Jesus is and a proper response of peace. This morning, we look at, what, at a prophecy that, that looks at what Jesus does, and we recognize that the only proper response to that is joy, is joy. And so, I'm going to be reading from a prophecy of Isaiah in chapter 61, verses 1 through 4 and then 8 through 11. Listen now to the Word of God. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. To grant to those who mourn in Zion to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrong. I will faithfully give them their recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their offspring shall be known among the nations, and their descendants in the midst of the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge them, that they are an offspring the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall, shall exult in God, in my God. For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its sprouts and the, as a garden causes what is sown in it to sprout up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness, and praise to sprout up before all the nations. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we pray your help as we consider your word. We pray that you, by the power of your spirit, would work in us whatever you would have your word to speak to us. Guide my words, guide all of our hearts and minds as we stand before you and your word. We pray in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Amen. As we get ready for Christmas and and the coming of Jesus into the world and into our lives this week, we think about what is it that he is coming to do. And, and to really understand that, we need to think about what is it that he is coming to? And what is the world that he is coming into? What, where in our lives do we need him? Last week, we had a, a, a Christmas party with the deacons and spouses at the Sabo's house, and it was a wonderful time. And, and part of it, we had an ornament exchange, and, and it was really fun. And I, I had to look for an ornament to bring to the exchange, and, and I, I had a great time with it. And uh, as I looked for ornaments, I saw out there how many of them have the year on them. And, and it made me think, and I, I talked with somebody at the party about the ornaments that we had in our families that, that marked our lives together. And, I, and we had those crafty ones that our, our kids made in elementary school. And, and we kept those until they literally disintegrated. And we could also see those. We'd had some of those that we could buy that had kind of significant news items of the year. A, a, a few years ago, my wife found an ornament maker that she made one for 2019 in Pittsburgh, where we were living, where we lived. And, and it had, in 2019 in Pittsburgh, downtown one day, a sinkhole opened up, and the back end of a bus fell into it. And so it was sitting at an almost straight-up angle. And she made this great ornament of a bus sitting in a sinkhole. And we have that. The next year, that same ornament maker, maker remember 2020? That same ornament maker had two, two choices. We could either get a roll of toilet paper, or she had one of a dumpster with flames coming out of it. And they were for the year of COVID. And we have ornaments for that. I, I, I saw another designer as I was looking this past week online that it w included a number of different things on an ornament. And for 2023, they had things listed like Barbenheimer or the, the King Charles's coronation or uh, the Era's tour. And, uh, and it, you, I don't know if you know what that means, but it was on the ornament. But it had more things like the banking crisis and inflation and the writer's strike and the Canadian and the, the Hawaiian wildfires and, and more. That's some of the things that Jesus is coming into our world with today. The prophet Isaiah is thinking about the kind of things the Messiah is coming into in his day. And they are, they are a litany in this passage. The world was upended for the Israelites. Their, their country had just been conquered, and, and the vast majority of their people had been marched into exile, having lost everything. And the, and the prophet characterizes their condition with the words like poor, brokenhearted, 
captive, prison, bound in the dark, mourning and mourning and mourning. Can you imagine all that they've lost? Ashes on their heads, faint spirit, ruins, devastations of generations. It sounds, it sounds horrible. And at, at the heart of it, that Isaiah and the readers will know is that it is ultimately the result of their own faithlessness and their own sin. It's on them. And, and they're left with lives, generations of lives, that have been devastated and ruined. And it's all here, right in this passage that we read. Fortunes that have been lost need to be restored. Tears and weeping all the circumstances of evil and, and fault. Put all these things together. It, it's, it's a comprehensive picture of all in life that can go wrong, that is wrong. Starting with the poor, that, that's a physical problem. It's, a, it's an economic brokenness. And, and it carries with it futility and hunger. This passage is set in a place of comprehensive brokenness. But the thing is, it is the most hope-filled call to joy in Scripture and in all the world. This is a significant passage. The very first time Jesus preached, as recorded in Matthew 4, this is the passage he pointed to because it so clearly points to him. This is what Jesus came to do. Everything listed in this passage, Jesus deals with it all from the economic brokenness of poverty. Think, think of kids falling asleep hungry. Think of every time you've worried about money or jobs and all the hard conversations and stress and relationships and marriages about money. The Messiah also brought, binds up the brokenhearted, the emotionally broken, the, the mentally ill. Then freedom for captives and release from darkness. This is all forms of captivity, including intellectual blindness, and spiritual darkness. He brings release and light. And then it says that he brings the year of the Lord's favor. This, this means so much more than just a good year. He's referring to Leviticus 25 and the year of Jubilee. This is the picture. Everyone knows, I mean, most of us know that every seven days is meant to be the Sabbath day. It's the day of rest. It's the day of reflecting on God's work of creation. The seventh day is for rest. Rest from carrying all the burdens of life and trusting that God has things in hand for us. Well, not just every seven days, but every seven years was to be a year of Sabbath, and, and we'd let the land rest, and we'd forgive and be forgiven debts, and we'd forgive each other the wrongs that we'd done. This is prescribed in Leviticus. As far as people know, 
the people never actually practiced this, the Sabbath year. But the picture is there. But then, every seventh Sabbath, Sabbath year, there would be a year of jubilee. It, it, like, do the math, likely it's about once in your lifetime. Every 50 years would be a year of jubilee. And this was, this was even more. Not only would sins and debts be forgiven, this time everything is put back the way it was started. Lands would be returned to their original owners and families. People were, were restored to where they were originally. If in 50 years you'd fallen into poverty, you were raised up and returned to your original place. If you had become wealthy and, and come to rely on your own wealth, and position, it, it was time to come back to who you really are, to trust that what God has provided and made is enough. Again, there's no indication that the Israelites ever actually did anything like this, but again, they knew the concept. It's there in Scripture. Jesus brings the year of Jubilee that people had never actually done. He has come to restore us to who we were originally made to be, to restore creation and restore our place in it and our place with God. Jesus goes on with this picture. He says that they may be called oaks of righteousness. This, this is the transformation of our character that he's going to work in us. This isn't just the proclamation of righteousness. This is actual righteousness. It's, it's changing us to be holy, sanctification. It's having the Spirit in our heart. It's being changed into his likeness. The oaks of righteousness like him, like Jesus. And then there's a, a, a picture of rebuild the ancient ruins and repair the ruined cities. And this is a fascinating picture that goes on into the next verses that we didn't read of working together with, with aliens, people who weren't Israelites, to shepherd the common flock. It's, it's a picture of reconciliation amongst peoples and races and nations. Jesus brings not just personal transformation, but social transformation and spiritual wholeness. And I hear the siren go by and I think, yeah, that's exactly what we need. Spiritual wholeness and, and emotional and psychological peace and ultimately economic justice and, and well-being. Everything that's wrong, Jesus makes it right again. That is the fullness of salvation. And Jesus' Jesus's very name means God saves. Isaiah pictures that salvation here. And Jesus claims, Jesus claims that position at the beginning of his ministry. 
we owned a home for about 10 years in, in Pittsburgh, and it was a wood-framed house that was built in the 1880s. And we did a lot of work on it through those years. And I, by we, I mean <laughs> my wife and kids and I, we, we did the work. And with the help of some neighbors we knew, who knew a little more than we did, that last summer my sons and I painted the house, but early, when we first moved in, we, we gutted the first half, the, the ha half of the, the bottom floor, even moving some of the studs. And, and we moved the kitchen and the bathroom. I only finished that last bathroom down, downstairs in the last year that I was there during COVID. And the last thing was framing and putting on a door and finishing the drywall and the plumbing. Here's the thing. I don't really know what I'm doing. And I really didn't know how to frame a door. That's no easy thing. I saw Grayson working on doors last week, shaving things and making them all work here so that we know that they close. Uh, doors are, doors are uh, complicated. But all of these things, I'd, I'd watch a few YouTube videos and talk to some friends who had more experience. When we got in real trouble, they'd come over and help us out, or if we just needed more hands for lifting up beams or something. Uh, and I'd, I'd, every day I'd kind of map and plan what I was going to do, and I'd, I'd cut the wood and, and screw it up, and, and then I'd realize I need a little more here or a little less there, and so I'd take it apart and change it and put it back together over and over again, two steps forward, one or two or three steps back, and then two steps forward again. And I eventually got the door up and the drywall on the walls and the seams taped and covered and painted. But it's do it and do it over and over again. It's, it's like life. This is like life. We don't really know what we're doing. We've learned some things from our families, from experience, from, from doing things before, sometimes by doing it well, sometimes by doing it poorly. But we learn. We learn what to think. We learn what to do, how to live. And we're never done learning. But here's the thing. I, I could walk through that house and all the places I'd done work, and it looked pretty good, but I, I could see every mistake. And, and I could see where it wasn't quite right where it's not exactly what I wanted it to be, and I could see all through the house where I had a whole lot of work left to be done, and just how much more I had to figure out how to do. We can look at our lives and, and our world, and as complex and as fragile as I've come to understand human beings to be, it's a wonder that we make it at all. As, as individuals, as, as couples and families, as communities and churches, as nations, and as a world. Because it's all hard. And we don't really know what we're doing. And most of all, because we are so disconnected from the designer and maker of it all, trying to figure it out for ourselves, 
and we look around at our lives, and, and much of it can look good, but we know where the cracks are, the brokenness. And we can look at our communities and our, and, and our nation and our world, and we have managed to some degree to pull ourselves together just to get here this morning, to order ourselves and our days to relate to each other, to work together, and in, in many ways progress and prosper, but we can also look around and see the cracks and the hurts and the injustices and the poverty and the ruins and the sin. But Jesus is coming, bringing the year of jubilee, the real and the final one of salvation, of making it all right again and wiping every tear away. But that's not all there is to notice in this passage in the context of the whole of Isaiah. Isaiah does an amazing job putting together a picture of who Jesus will be throughout his prophecy and in this passage. Though, though a number of different, through a number of different passages, he puts together a more comprehensive picture of the Messiah. The one who is going to do the work is introduced in Isaiah 11. He's the Davidic king, and I'm going to talk more about the Davidic king next Sunday. He's the king of David. He's the anointed conqueror, and he's the one who will conquer evil and restore the nation, the kingdom of God. But there's another image throughout Isaiah. It's the image of the Lamb for the sacrifice. He's going to experience all these hard things listed again here. He's written of in Isaiah 42 and 49 and 50 and 53. This suffering servant is, is completely unlike the anointed conqueror in chapter 11. But this passage in chapter 61, this passage brings them together so that they, we realize they are the same person. And we see how he has conquered through his suffering. This is where we see it in this passage. In verse 3, given to those who experience this year of jubilee is this, uh, is this, a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, gladness instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, instead. We had the ashes and the mourning and the faint spirit it's not just that they were gone and disappeared, that he's just taken them away. Isaiah's full picture shows more than that. It's that the conqueror took all that brokenness upon himself so that we instead would have the beauty and gladness and praise. The anointed conqueror is also the suffering servant so that we might now have flowing out of us joy and praise. Christmas is a season of joy. It doesn't come because of gifts or decorations or, or cards that say joy. All of those things, 
They are merely street signs pointing to where the joy comes from. It comes from the the one Isaiah and John the Baptist point to. And now, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God. The New Living Testament says that verse, I am overwhelmed with joy in the Lord my God. The message writes, I will sing for joy in God, explode in praise from deep in my soul. It's because the Savior is coming and has come. The one who took upon himself all our brokenness and devastation of our lives and of our world and conquered sin and death and gave us instead a headdress of beauty, oil of gladness, and a garment of praise. Now we rejoice. Let's pray. Lord, we rejoice in you, for you are our God, the God who made us, and in our devastation came to save us through your son Jesus. God, we stand amazed at what he has done and what he will do. God, may our lives be characterized by joy of those who know Christ. Thank you for your word. Guide us in it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.